Good morning, Glenridge Church. It's an absolute privilege for me to be here this morning. Um, I always say, people say, oh, it's such a blessing having you, whereas here I feel like, man, it's such a blessing for me to be here uh, with you this morning. Um, I'm not going to give you too much of my, my CV and my intro and about my amazing, beautiful cats at home and none of that stuff. I'm not going to tell you anything about that. Um, but just to let you know that you are part of um, a family of churches that pray for one another and that resource one another. And so this morning I'm here because a church in Port Elizabeth um, partners with you as a church here in Glenridge and have said we'd love to be able to send a resource that we have for you to uh, receive from this morning. And so there's an eldership praying for you this morning. There is a church praying for you this morning. And I just love how God puts churches together so that we don't walk alone that we are part of a group of churches, a network of churches, a partnership of churches uh, where we can share and uh, glean from one another. And so it really is an incredible privilege. Uh, the eldership from our church just send their love to you. And um, yeah, it's just incredible to be here. And so Father, we just pray uh, for this morning. We thank you, Father, that we have the privilege and the opportunity to gather in your name this morning. That, Lord, there are believers around the world that are risking their lives this morning to worship you together. And so I thank you that we live in a country that there are open heavens over us to worship you together and to um, come together in your name. We ask that your presence would be here this morning. We pray that your spirit would be on everything that is said. And that you would truly speak this morning, that you would receive the glory and that your plans and purposes would be accomplished in Jesus' name. And so, while I was in worship this morning, I just had these two words, this is such a house of faith and freedom. This is a house where there is faith like I haven't felt um, in places before. Don't take that for granted. You are part of a household where people have a faith to see what Jesus said in the Bible come to pass in this, in this lifetime, in your togetherness, and for you as a, a church family. And there's a wonderful sense of freedom here this morning. I think you carry a sense of freedom as a church where people can come and be themselves, where people can come and say, I'm free to be who God's called me to be in this house. And so I just wanted to commend you as Glenridge to say you are a house of faith and freedom and to not limit your, what God is going to do and the manifestation of what he's going to do to meetings. Because God says, I haven't called you to be a church of meetings, but I've called you to be a church that would be relevant on a Sunday morning as well as every day in the week and every place outside of this church as well. And so you are not a church that is a church based on meetings, but you're a church that is based on impact wherever you are. And um, you're not just going to see the manifestation of God and his gifts in meetings, though that's going to happen. But you're going to see that out there where God sends you into the highways and byways of Durban and beyond. And so I want to encourage you in that. And so this morning it might look a little different to you maybe than you used to from a preaching point of view. But um, this morning the, the emphasis, and, and emphasis and the focus really is around what is God saying to you together as a church family? What is God's word to you? Um, I've done the best I've, I can to hear God for you. I submit that to the leaders and the eldership um, of this church and they will test that. And, um, but I come this morning as best as I can to deposit and release that which I feel God is saying to you as a church. And this evening we're going to have a sort of a more intense free um, meeting in terms of exercising the gift over the ones and the twos. And so this morning really is looking at Glenridge as a church family. 
And so before coming here, I was praying for you, and I had this picture, and I'm going to unpack that picture and a few things that I've seen, and then give you some handles as to how to work that picture and that straighted, um, that picture out for you. And the picture that I had was of the River Jordan. Um, so in Exodus, in Numbers, in the Old Testament, you hear of the River Jordan. And just to sketch a little picture, maybe you're a visitor, maybe you're new here, the River Jordan was where the Israelites had come out of Egypt, they'd been delivered, they came into a place where they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and there was the promised land that they were on their way to. And I just felt for you as a church that you are standing at the River Jordan, that you are standing at the edge of the Jordan, and it's time for you to cross over into the promised land. And uh, that was the picture that I had for you. I felt it was in the context of where the, the, the Israelites had been in a desert for 40 years. And so sometimes you're just going, man, we have promises, we have prophetic words over our lives, we have promises and prophetic words over this church, but man, we want to see it in its fullness. When is that day going to come? And I feel like the church has been so wonderful at contending, and we're going to look at that word, contending for the promises for what God has for you in your promised land. And that could be your promised land individually in your own life for your family and the promised land this morning that we're going to look at for the life of this church. What is the promised land that has been promised to Glenridge? And those promises span back decades. That's, those aren't promises that have come in the last couple of months or years, but those are promises when this church was birthed in the heart of the Father, he had a prophetic future for this church. And so here, I just feel like you are standing on that river's edge. You are standing on that Jordan River um, on the edge saying, Glenridge, it's time to cross over. And Joshua called the people together and he said, the Lord has said, we will cross over. And the people crossed over together. The, as we know, the, the, the river stopped and the people could cross over um, into the promised land and into Jericho. And that's really the sense of the season that I feel like you are in as a church. Um, that it's time for you to cross the Jordan, that your promised land is waiting. I felt the words seven lean years and seven fat years. And I felt for you as a church that there has been, in a sense, what has felt like seven lean years. Though God has provided in the, the Israelites, their shoes didn't, run, um, didn't wear out. They had manna and they had food every day. They still saw the miraculous even though they were in the wilderness. Um, and so you've seen the goodness of God, you've seen the faithfulness of God, but I feel like there's been a leanness to that and God is wanting to add a fatness to that. And so I feel like the seven years of fatness are on the other side of the Jordan River for you. And so I feel like it's a season of, of fulfillment of promises that have been spoken over individuals' lives and over this church's life, if you call this home. And so I felt the Lord give me four areas to commend you on as a church. In the book of Revelation, where um, they commend the churches. There's seven churches and they commend the churches. You have done this well. And I felt to commend you this morning as a church on four things. I felt like the Lord said, commend the church on your devotion to pray. I felt like as a church you have become, um, you have become so devoted. Um, you have given yourself to prayer when it's been hard, when it's been difficult, when it's in Durban, if it does get cold, when it's been cold, when it's been, been hard. There has been a devotion to prayer where you've said, God, without you, we can't move forward. Without you, we will not see breakthrough. And so I felt to encourage you this morning as Glenridge, you have done well in the area of prayer. You have devoted yourselves to prayer. I felt that as a church, you have done well in the area of sincere worship. 
I feel like there has been a sense of this fragrant offering going up from this church where there's been a sincerity of heart in worship, where people have come and worshipped regardless of circumstance, regardless of the season, regardless how difficult it's been. You have said, Jesus, you are still worthy. You are still king. You are still on the throne and we will still worship you. And so well done, Glenridge, for being devoted to prayer, being sincere worshippers. I felt like you have been a church that has held on to the prophetic that God has spoken. You're a church that loves the prophetic. You're a church that takes the prophetic seriously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here this morning. Um, and I felt there has been a sense of not losing or letting hold of the promises and the prophetic words of God over you. So well done to you, Glenridge. And then to the last was honoring and hungering for the presence of God. I feel like you are not a church that comes to say, we're just going to sing pretty songs and we're going to tick our box that we went to church on Sunday. But there's a hunger within you as a people for the presence of God. Um, it's, they, in the Old Testament, it says, do not send us from this place unless your presence goes with us. And I feel like there's been such an honoring and a hunger for the presence of God. I felt like there's nothing flaky um, or weird about what it is that you've been going after. There's been a sincerity around the reality of the presence of God. Not just bells and whistles and balloons and emotion, but the, 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 the purity of the presence of God. And so I just felt to encourage you as you, have, as you have been in those maybe what feels like lean years, what feels like a bit of a wilderness, that I wanted to commend you, and I felt the Lord say commend them, that in this time they have prayed, they have worshipped, they've held on to the prophetic, and they have honored and hungered for the presence of God. And so I want, to, I want to just bless you with that, Glenridge, to say that, that these aren't my words. These aren't me just coming to rah-rah, but actually to say the hand of the Lord and the word of the Lord is over you to encourage you that you have done that well and to keep doing that. Because what you have sown in this season, what you have sown in this season that you have been in, in prayer, in worship, in holding on to the prophetic, in um, honoring the presence, has sown seed that you are going to reap on the other side of the Jordan. And on this side of the Jordan, you haven't always seen what it is that you've prayed for. You haven't always seen the manifestation that you've been going after. You haven't always sensed, and this is, this is the sweet spot of what we're going after. But God says you have sown faithfully seeds in these areas that you are going to reap in the promised land. Um, and so I wanted to encourage you in that. I felt that as a banner over Glenridge, I saw this banner written over you almost like as a mission statement. And on that mission statement, it said, Glenridge Church, where there is authentic relationships, devoted disciples, holy, a holy people, and a family with a message on mission. And Glenridge, you are an authentic people. Go and keep going after authentic relationships where they are deep, where they are real, where they are accountable, where the, you, where, where the difficult conversations that create the devoted holy disciples can happen. That you are a family. You are not an organization. You are not a mega church. You are not an NGO. You are not a church that's after a cause. But you are a family, a church family that God has put together. That in your DNA that you are first a family. And your Father in heaven loves the fact that you have authentic relationships, real relationships one with another. That you are a, a people with a message, 
a message to the nations, a message to the neighborhoods of the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, that you are on mission with that message, that you're not here to come to a meeting, to have coffee, and to say, man, we belong to an epic church, which you do, but it's for the purpose of being on mission together. And so that is the, the pictures that I had for you. And then on the other side of the, the other side of the Jordan River, and so on this side of the Jordan River, you have Glenridge, the faithful, praying, worshiping, prophetic, presence, hungering church that have sown seeds over years and years, where it's been hard, where it's been tough, where it's feel like, man, God, we feel like things are being cut back in our personal lives, in our finances, in what it is that we're experiencing. But God says, as you have sown seeds on this side of the river, he says, there are orchards and vineyards and fruitness, fruitfulness on the other side of the river. And I felt that there were a couple of L's. And people ask me, how do you know that's the Lord? And I generally say, because I'd never come up with this stuff myself. Um, I'm just not that smart. <laughs> and so the first thing I felt for you on the other side of the river, part of your promised land, and I'm going to go through them quickly. I'm first going to give all the L's to you, and then we can, we can go from there. Where have all the L's disappeared to? Are they on the screen? They've disappeared from my notes, however. All right, on the screen. I felt for you as an emphasis and an inheritance on the other side of the Jordan was the lost, there was legacy, there were leaders, there was land, and there was liberty. <laughs> and that right there, not exclusively, but I feel is what God has for you on the other side of the river, that you are a church that has a heart for the lost. You're a church that has an inheritance for the lost. And, that, and I felt like the Lord said that the lost among you is going to be diverse. I felt that there's a diversity of lost people that God is going to add to you. That not everybody's going to look the same. Not everyone's going to drive the same car and wear the same jacket. But that you are all, there's going to be a diversity of what God brings to you. That you are going to have a multicultural, multigenerational, multinational, in a sense, diversity of lost people that God is going to add to you. That is fruit that is yours because of what has been sown and because of his promise. There is a legacy that you are building right now. That which you are fighting and contending for as a church, as you pray, as you reach the lost, as you go after what it is that God has for this church, there is a legacy that you're not just building for yourselves right now, but I felt that there are decisions that are being made in this time in the church that has an impact for those that are 20-somethings at the moment that you are building for a 20, 30-year future if Jesus tarries. And to, to see what I'm doing right now is not just for me and my family, but it's for my children and my grandchildren to come. And so there's a legacy that God has uh, for Glenridge. There are leaders that God is wanting to release. And most of you just go, I'm not a leader. You know, that's like a specific group of people. No, if you are a disciple, you are a leader because you will lead somebody else to Christ. <laughs> you will disciple someone else. And I felt specifically around leaders and a releasing of a new wave of those that would lead the church into its future, particularly around leaders in kids' church. I felt there was a real anointing upon the kids' church and what God's doing in the kids' church. I feel like not only on Sunday mornings, but your reach to children in the city um, is going to increase. And God is saying, I'm going to release those, and I'm wanting people to 
to um, stand up and say yes to be able to lead the next generation. I felt like there's a freedom upon your children that God is wanting to release. I saw, it was amazing just to see the kids dancing in the front here. I felt like what is happening in the kids is going to spill over to the adults. We always think we're going to teach them, but I feel like they, God's going to do something with them that they are going to teach us. And so I feel like there's an anointing upon your kids' church. I'm feeling like God's wanting to release teachers and leaders to bring through the next generation. And so invest in those. I felt that there were leaders that wouldn't necessarily just lead and this includes home group leaders and ministry leaders, but leaders that have skills that are not only used in the life of this church, but outside in the community. And so God is wanting to raise up a group of people that say, we will lead what God is doing in whatever sphere that he's called us to. And so I feel like there's an anointing upon that and a fruitfulness that's coming to that. When I say land, don't get nervous. You're not going into another building project. But I felt this phrase, I felt that God has said to Glenridge that you will have a base with different venues and different properties which will be used for different purposes and uses. And so I'm going to let you just digest that. Part of your, your fruit, part of the promised land for you is Glenridge is more than this building. That I felt land spoke about the fact that you will have a base as a church, but you will have um, different venues and properties that will be used for various uses and purposes. And that is God's inheritance. That is part of the, the promised land that God has for you. And can I say it's not going to look like maybe any other church model or church structure or the way people use buildings than you know. And so sometimes when you see they cross the Jordan, they said, follow this because you have not been this way before. And I feel like with regards to your properties, with regards, and I said properties, I didn't say property, um, with regards to your properties, that they are going to be, you haven't been this way before, and other people haven't been this way before. It's something new that God is doing in and through you. And then the last one is liberty, which I touched on freedom. Glenridge, your mission and your mandate is to bring the liberty and the freedom of Jesus to a generation, to bring the liberty and the freedom to people's lives, where you will see deliverances, you will see people get saved, you will see people get set free, you will see people walking in their calling and inheritance, you will see lives transformed. That is the promised land. That's what the promised land looks like. People that are free, people that are healed, people that are whole, marriages that are restored, young people that have come to know Jesus. That is your promised land. And there is a liberty that I feel over you. Um, it's like I saw the, um, if you've ever been to New York and you ride on the ferry and you go to the Statue of Liberty, she is large and she is towering. And I feel like Glenridge Church, God has called you to be the large lady of liberty. <laughs> over the city and over the neighborhoods and the nations, that you will bring freedom to the captives and you will see people set free and lives transformed. That is part of your promised land. And so these L's that I'm emphasizing are not exclusively what your promised land looks like, but I just felt an emphasis on them for you right now. And I want you to look at that list and not go, oh, that's wonderful. I wonder how Stan and Heather and the eldership team are going to make that happen. <laughs> no, actually, that happens by everyone reaching the lost, by adding to the legacy of the church and what you're building, by saying, I will put up my hand to lead in some way, capacity, form, or skill. I will get behind whatever God is doing with our land and our properties and our venues. And I will be the one 
that carries the flame of liberty and the flame of freedom to the city. And so this word is not just for the church out there. It's like, oh, Glenridge Church, which, yes, I come to the meeting. No, this is directly related to your life and to who you are and the contribution that you have. And so that's what I felt um, for the life of the church and where you are. And um, I just want to add to that that I feel like there's such a, um, an imminence of a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit amongst you. I felt like God is wanting to release and activate gifts amongst you that you are going to see not just a team or the ones and the twos that are prophesying and praying for healing and releasing faith, but actually it's going to be every believer, every person saying, these are the gifts that God has activated in me. And as we do that, there's going to be this manifestation of the gifts amongst you. And it's not just for the four walls that you are sitting in here. It's for you to take those gifts and use them to see the kingdom come where God has placed you. And so just be ready for that as well. And when I say be ready for that, it's not like, okay, we'll watch and see who else does that. <laughs> no, it's as that gift is activated, I'm going, this is what God's doing. I want to bring that which God has put within my life into the collective for us to see God's power manifest. And so that I'm just painted a broad, very quickly, a picture of what I have felt for you. And then I said, Lord, how does that happen? Because I know in my life, I know in your life, I know in every person's life, we are all contending for something. As Glenridge Church, you are contending for that promised land. You are wanting to cross over the Jordan. You are contending for promises that God has spoken for years over this church. We are contending for souls. We're contending for freedom. We're contending for the presence of God. We're contending for, for gifts and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit amongst us. We're contending for revival in our city and in our nation. We are contending for those things. We are saying, God, we have heard your promise. We've heard your voice. Would you come and do that? Maybe, oh, my boy, is that very sad. And, uh, the, um, and in our own lives, maybe you're contending for a marriage this morning that's not doing so well. Maybe you're contending for a marriage that's on the brink of disaster and divorce. Maybe you are contending for a child that is addicted to drugs and alcohol and you are saying, God, we are, we are trusting in your promise and your word over them. Maybe you're contending for a family member's salvation. God has given us promises and prophetic words in his word as well as in the spoken word of the, of the prophetic. What is it that you are contending for this morning? We know what you're contending for as a church. What are you contending for in your own life? What are you contending for? And I just felt for, for Matt sitting there with your black shirt on. Um, as I spoke about the gifts of the Holy Spirit being activated, I just felt like him saying that there's an anointing and a release of the Holy Spirit coming upon you that's not just going to be, there's an, there's an evident leadership gift upon you. But I felt like him say that you are going to, there's going to be growth connected to whatever you're involved in, and it's going to come from the anointing of the Spirit of God. I feel like there's such a hunger for you to see the manifest gifts of the Holy Spirit, to say, God, we can't do this without you. We can't do this without 
your manifest gifts amongst us. And I saw those that you lead, and I think you said you lead a home group. Those that you lead, I just saw those gifts starting to activate in a group of young people. And as that group of young people get activated in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they are going to set things on fire. And they are going to move from place to place. And there are going to be more groups that are set on fire. And more groups that are going to get set on fire. And I feel like it comes and it's birthed out of a hunger that's in you to see that. You can, God, we don't want to just sit and play a nice home group. We actually want to see the presence and the power of God manifest. And so I just want to release that over your life and to say contend for that. And what does that contending look like? <laughs> so glad you asked that question. Because what can happen when we're contending? We get this wonderful word. We all go home and we go, man, we had this, we're crossing over into the promised land. This is awesome. So we're just going to sit back, have a bra, and whatever you have with your bra. And then we're going to wait because God said the promised land is ours. We're going to cross over. But actually, when we are contending for promises, the victory was won on the cross. But we need to activate... And we need to enforce that which was won for us. And so there's a fight over your life. There's a fight over the inheritance and the promises of God over this church, over your family, over your children, over your business. The enemy is not wanting to see any of you walk into your promised land. He does not want this church to walk into the promised land. And so we are not fighting for a victory that Jesus has won. We are fighting to enforce what Jesus has won. To say, this is what God has said, this is what his word has said, this is what his presence has said, and we will continue and fight until we walk over into the promised land. And so when we get prophetic words over our lives, when we get prophetic words over the life of the church, it is not a guarantee that we can all just go, that was awesome, wonderful, let's all just go home and wait. No, it's an invitation from God to say, will you partner with me and will you fight to see this inheritance? Will you contend for that which God has said? I have seen friends over years fight for and contend for marriage partners, for babies, for homes, for trips, for um, outreaches, for church plants, and it has never come without a fight. And so there's a contending. If we want to see that which God has promised, there's going to have to be a contending in our lives. So how do we contend for the journey? And I want us to look at Joshua 3. I'm going to read, read the passage, and then we're just going to pick up a, three points out of how to contend in this season. You have contended well in prayer. You have contended well in worship. You've gone after the prophetic. You've hungered for the presence. But how do we keep contending for what it is that God has over your life? Early in the morning... Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, and when you see the word the Ark of the Covenant, it speaks about the presence of God. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. They're not sitting having a bra on the riverside. <laughs> There's actually an action that's happening as they need to cross over. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. 
Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Can you see there is something active about them crossing over? It's not a passive, we're just going to wait and, hey, the Lord's going to do it. There's something active about them and them crossing over. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. That was an act of faith because the river was flowing and it was actually almost in flood. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. You contend with the word of the Lord. You don't contend out of presumption. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words the Lord um, of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that you will certainly drive out before you all those wonderful people and all their names that you want to name your children. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now, then, choose 12 men from amongst the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during, um, all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap and a great distance away, at a great distance away, at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the sea of Arabah, oh, these wonderful words, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel, while Glenridge passed by <laughs> until the whole church, the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I wanted to use that as a text this morning to say, how do we contend? How do we cross over the river and not be left behind? Not sure if you've, any, any of you have left that left behind series. I do not want to be left behind on anything. I have serious FOMO. I never want to miss out on anything. Um, my parents, I was a nightmare to my parents because they just, I would never stay anywhere. I just had terrible fear of missing out. Do not leave me behind. And I'm sure none of you want to be left behind. So how do we make sure we cross? How do we contend with this promise that God has given us about legacy and land and the lost and leaders and the kids' church and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How do we contend for that? Well, there's, some, there's three points that we're going to quickly pull out of that. The first is to understand the journey. If we don't understand the season and we don't understand the journey and what's happening, we will get confused and we will give up. And so the first one, I'm going to use, a, I'm going to use C's. I used L's, now I'm going to use, C, use C's. You see, part of the journey and the process of crossing the Jordan, from being in Egypt in exile, wandering around for 40 years in the desert, finally crossing over into the promised land, 
Everyone's focus was the promised land. And God was going, actually, I'm more interested in your hearts and your lives and your character on the journey. Because when you cross over the promised, when you cross over into your promised land, you need to have the character to sustain that which I'm going to entrust to you. And so when we understand the desert, when we understand the wilderness, when we understand the hardship, when we understand the contending, when we understand the waiting, when we understand I've been praying for this for 20 years and I haven't seen it, if I don't understand what's happening, I will bail. This is too hard. This is, I can't do this anymore. This church is smoking their socks. You know, whatever. They stone the prophet. Whatever you want to do. We bail on the promises of God and we don't inherit our promised land because we don't understand what God is doing in the journey. And we always want to see, we're just like, hey, I love the fruit as best as the next person. But man, I've known to see some fruit in my life and to walk into some areas of the promised land in my life. I took a whole truckload of character building. (laughs) And so when we understand that God is more interested in our heart and who we are and who we are going to be in the promised land than he is about just giving us fruit, we understand. And so I can contend because I understand the season. I can hang in there. I cannot kick out. I cannot give up. I cannot say, oh, you know what? I think I'm just going to give my life to, you know, getting a nice little spot in Belito and we're just going to go and sit there on the weekends and drink red wine. Now, actually, we keep contending for what God promised over our lives. We keep contending for that marriage. We keep contending for that child. We keep contending for that lost one. We keep contending for, for, for the promises that God has over us as a church. And we understand that the journey is part of preparing us for what it is that he has for us. And so Glenridge Church, it's going to be hard sometimes. I'd love to say tomorrow you're going to just cross over and it's going to be awesome people. Let's just park off, get your camping chairs. We've made it. No, there's going to be a contending for some things. Some of that land that I spoke about, some of the loss that I spoke about, some of that legacy and leadership, it's not going to be easy. But when I understand that I am part of that process of me being developed, my heart being refined, my heart being purified, so that when God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, I'm going to pour out these promises Man, my character contains what it is that God is doing. Can you imagine wandering around the desert for 40 years? There were approximately, they say, like two to three million people. Can you imagine the fight amongst women in the desert? I mean, seriously. So-and-so's dog barked all night outside my tent. That woman's child is so undisciplined She just doesn't know how to look after her child. I'm just going to move and go and park off my tent somewhere else. Because this is just irritating me. You know what? That guy Moses, he brought us out. Chop. Like, now we're sitting in the desert for 40 years. Like, does anyone else have an exit strategy out of here? Because we're not going to go with him. You see, what happens when we're on the road to the promised land is the little things can start to distract us. The little annoyances, the little like we're not seeing this, like I've been waiting, I've been praying. Can I be like super vulnerable with you this morning? I'll just like bear my whole soul to you. When I was 18 years old, which was just the other day, (laughs) it was like 30 30 odd years ago, 
I had prophetic words around my potential spouse, which I'm still waiting for. Me and Dawn. You know, we're together. Were they words from God? Absolutely. There were people that didn't know me. They said exactly the same thing about this person's personality. What they would do, what type of person they would do. People that didn't know each other gave me these words over a, like a year period. Let's fast forward 20 or 30 years. And I'm that chicken in the desert that's whining a lot. Jesus, have you forgotten me? False prophets. Bunch of idiots. Maybe I should just join Tinder. I think that's a much better option. Jesus, you are clearly not in control here. Swipe left or swipe right. Which way do you go? I don't know. You can clearly see I haven't done that. There were some things God told me about my future that I'm still contending for. But because I had some really wonderful people around me and some really wise counsel and a really faithful God, I've been able to hold on to those promises without getting bitter, angry, upset, disconnecting, making my own plan. Because I've understood that God was way more interested in my character than he was in my wedding dress. And so for you as a church, there is a promised land. And can I say the journey is not always going to be easy. But we contend by understanding the journey and understanding what's happening in the journey. I don't want to take too long. The second thing that helps us in the desert, that helps us to take hold and contend for the promises of God. What is repeated over and over again in Joshua? The fact that the ark of the covenant the ark of the presence of God. If you want to stick it out for the long haul, if you want to see the promises of God come in your family, in loved ones, in your church, in ministry, whatever it is that you are contending for, <laughs> if you want to see that, it's staying close to the presence of God. There are times that I can have whinalitis like you would not believe. I know how to grumble. If you want to come for lessons, I'll teach you. <laughs> I can whine like nobody, you know, like those kids are just like, whiny, 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 like, yeah, your children don't whine, hey, Jan, not at all. I mean, I can give you lessons on whining, but can I tell you, I have whined and whined, and then the Lord says, you know, just draw close. Can, can we just stop grumbling and whining for one moment and just come and just draw close to me, come into my presence, come and worship, come and read the word. Come and pray a little bit. And all of a sudden, literally in a moment, my perspective changes. I'm going, okay. And so what happens when we are contending for the promises of God and we want to start grumbling and giving up and getting bitter and dialing out is to say, no, I'm going to see the promises of God in the presence of God. And then I'm going to introduce those circumstances to Jesus. And in that moment, there's fresh faith that comes there's fresh strength that comes, there's fresh legs that comes, and it goes, I will keep on keeping on, because God has said. And I go back to the word, I go back to what he said. And the thing that kept the Israelites was the fact that the presence of God was amongst them. The presence of God went ahead of them. The presence of God made a way for them to cross over. 
And we need the presence of God in our life on a daily basis, or we are going to become a grumbling, whiny, disengaged, bitter, angry, whiny, whiny people. Character, closeness, and then lastly, sorry, just on, yeah, never mind. And then lastly, it's to stay in community. Stay close to Jesus, understand what he's doing with your character, and stay in community. Before I was working full-time in the life of the church, I was a nursing sister that worked in a hospital in a midwifery department. I worked beautiful hours. They were just spectacular. You work 12-hour shifts, seven days in a row. It's, it's marvelous. Just go and study that if you're looking for something it's fun to do with your life. And I would literally come from like my fourth, fifth, seven, uh, 12-hour shift in a row, and we'd have a prayer meeting. Any normal sane person would go, shame, sweetheart, you go home and have a bath and get into bed. Have a cup of tea and a slice of toast, because tomorrow you're going to do that again. (laughs) But I knew that I was part of a community that was contending for something bigger than myself. So I would drive off to pre-meeting after my shift, probably get there a little late, standing there literally drunk, tired. But you know what? There was something about me putting my faith in that room with a community of people that were contending for the promises of God. And what happens when things get difficult? What happens when we don't get our way? What happens when we don't see what God wants us to that we've promised and his word says, et cetera, et cetera, is we go, I'm just going to disengage from community. This whole home group thing is not working for me. This pre-meeting thing is at a very inconvenient time for me and my children and for my supper plans. (laughs) But at the end of the day, they crossed over as a nation. The whole nation, the whole, all the Israelites stayed together and they crossed over together. Somewhere along that line, they'd go like, yeah, I know, we think we're going to cross the river there. We're going to cross the river there. We're going to make our own way. No, they stayed in community. They stayed connected to what it is that they were doing. And I don't want to carry on too much longer. And so this morning, I want to say there are promises. There's a promised land. There are prophetic words, prophetic promises over your life. There's prophetic promises over this church. But it's going to take contending Because there's an enemy that doesn't want you to walk into that promised land. And if you will stay close to Jesus, you will allow him to work on your character. And you will stay in community and fight together. I would say I want to guarantee you that you will cross over together. That you will walk into the promises that God has for you.